Wardcast episode 179. Ooh. Go. It's us. It's us. I'm I'm here y- now too. Y- you me both of us together and presumably a third person that we'll make up along the way to fill in the void. That's true. I'm Dylan Vento, and I'm joined by uh, YouTube's own Joe Wetmore, Joe Wetmore. son Wetmore. of YouTube, son mother of, of YouTube, son of son of YouTube. Uh, YouTube Joe, as uh, Wendy likes to refer to you as. Oh, is that is that yeah. so? Yeah, it's YouTube Joe and YouTube Nick. I get it. I have a new named update on my Discord. Like I like I cycle through my uh, my Discord names every every week every second every second every second I need to change it right now. Man, I wish that was easier to do. I wish you could have like independent like images, like user pictures for each server you're into. Oh it, uh, yeah, I guess you have one avatar. You can't have unique nicknames per server. Yes, though. you can have yeah. unique nicknames, but the avatar is the same throughout. So yeah, seems like you don't know me as Pineapple Clad and Leather sixty nine. That's that's only for the other Discord that I'm in. Ooh <laughs> yeah, fruit fetish Discord. Oh yeah. Um, what are we talking about today, Dylan? Uh, well, first off, let's uh let's excuse the those missing those oh. those. In absence. Rest in peace. Rest in peace. Pa- press uh, F to respect. Ah, jeez. Uh, um, Nelson couldn't make it because Nelson is sick, and then Alex couldn't make it because Alex has uh, family stuff going on. Which you could pretty much equate to sickness. Yes. Yeah, so family is basically a disease you carry with you since birth. <laughs> you joke. <laughs> Do I? <laughs> Do you? I don't know. Uh, we have we have my, my family. I have a more grim perspective on All family. Right, yeah, let's, I'm it's ready. Let's say, dig in. It's not to say that I don't um, appreciate the value of family in others' lives. Some people have more more acceptable families than I do. I think everyone has some form of a broken family if you yeah. look close well, enough. I, you know, I, I, but without without diving into politics, it has a way of driving into sharp relief the way you feel about family sometimes, mm-hmm. especially in the last few years. Yeah, I wonder why. Yeah. Can only imagine. But uh, sickness is quite a thing. Yes, uh, you dealt with your own yeah. form of malaise last weekend. I believe it was due to bad asparagus. I can't confirm or deny this. I hear it's going around. I just, I, I was trying to figure out what I had done wrong, what I had eaten, and and I looked it up and I was like, oh, you're not supposed to leave asparagus on the shelf. You're supposed to refrigerate it in uh, water, apparently. In water? Yeah. So this is a PSA about asparagus. If you have leftover asparagus, please get a jar of water and put your asparagus in the water and then refrigerate it. You can do this for about three days, four days, maybe even up to a week. But certainly don't eat three-day-old asparagus if it's been on your countertop, mm-hmm. um, which I did. And then Whoops. I experienced a kind of zombiehood for the next day. So, But now you're better. I have recovered. Yeah. I'm no longer a zombie. I've been resurrected. You're ready for more uh, three-day-old asparagus. I could go for it again, actually. Yeah. I yeah. mean, you know, uh, t- not to, you know, like, sure, the health hazards aside, you know, it has a certain a certain qu- delicious quality that you can't a- a get with, hel- with, with healthy asparagus. Yeah, I feel you. Um... And then everyone else just has like some form of stomach something. My brother is dying due to unknown things. Half the people on our Discord are like sick with something or other. The it's just this is this is it. The anti vaxxers have won. 
damn it. God damn it, Jenny McCarthy. You and your corrupt scree. Damn it. But uh, yeah, we're... um. It's going to be you and me. It's going to be a little powwow. It's, it's, it's the Joe and Joe show. The jo- Wait, did you say Joe and Joe? Yeah, my middle name's Joseph. Oh, man. I didn't know this about you. I know. I didn't realize how closely bonded we were before. Man, this is... It's beautiful. Wow, this is, this is going to be a whole entire... This is like a homecoming for me. <laughs> Joe's are the only family I need. Yeah, it's true. I, 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 Joe's I, won't get you sick. One of my oldest friends on Facebook is a guy named Joseph Ryan Wetmore, which is also my full name. And I followed his life. I don't know this guy. He lives. Oh wait. Oh, you're not joking. Yeah. I thought you were just being like super narcissistic. No, no, like I, my best me. friend is myself. This guy on Facebook, uh, who just has the exact same name as me, uh, Joseph Ryan Wetmore. I followed him through uh, meeting the woman of his life, getting married to her, uh, his like getting the career he wanted. Joe, like, this is getting weird. Uh, I mean, yeah, I stalked my my alter my my other your self, doppelganger. Yeah. yeah. But no, he, he's you know he's a he's a beautiful man, Joseph R. Wetmore. So this one's for you. This one goes out to all the Joes. <laughs> this one goes out to the Joes I love. So what do you want to talk about? You know, there's a lot to talk about. Some good stuff in the video game industry. A lot of bad stuff in the video game industry. Mostly bad. It's a <laughs> it's a nice like easy like downward. Do we want to descent. start happy or start bad? You know, in the, the past couple episodes, we've started kind of bad. You know, we've talked about the Randy Pitchford's whole nonsense and a bunch of other stuff. Let's, let's start off on a on a happy note. Okay. Joe, do you want to talk about talk about any games? Well, uh, you've been playing. Yeah, sure, sure. You know, I mean, this game. Why not? This I mean, game is a video game podcast. This game's been out for a minute, but. Uh, I've been loving it. I keep going back into it. I've been playing a lot of Warhammer Vermintide to the second one. The second one, and it's got it's got it keeps on getting new content, which is like kind of the thing that you're never sure is going to happen with a game that's like ongoing. You know, like when it come out, it came out like six months ago. Uh, no, that was like the first expansion that came out six months ago. I think it oh, came out the beginning of 2018. Oh wow! And the um, second one. Yeah, the second one. Oh, okay. Maybe like March or May or something like that. I can't remember okay. exactly. Okay. But um, they've gotten an expansion. They've gotten two expansions since then, and they, they keep on adding stuff. And they've made, you know, like more more game modes and things like that, which is basically like, you know, uh, uh, so many games are trying to do like the, the, the what is it called? Living service? or Yeah, games as a service. Games as a service kind of thing. And Gas. I, it's, I, I like the format overall, but I think it takes a, a genuinely dedicated developer, and I think a lot of times it's not done in earnest. Right. And, uh, like, I mean, I mean, uh, I think the best game of service is probably Path of Exile, in my mind. It's Because that game, it's a free game, and they have added just so much more content than I've ever seen for a game I've paid $60 for. What? type of game is it it's kind of it's a diablo 2 clone oh okay. so it's a looter hack and slash sure um when isometric you, when, top yeah down. exactly i mean it is it looks like diablo 2 um not three not three well that's the thing is that it was kind of like the 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 true diablo sequel for a lot of people so it's the reaction to diablo 3 not being what some people wanted it to be yeah and i i've i've i, I spent a lot of time being uh being upset about what diablo 3 was and you know what if it made people happy that's great i'm happy for them 
um, less <laughs> happy about them. less happy about Diablo Immortal. But we're not talking about bad things yet. <laughs> no bad things. No bad no things bad yet. Things this is the good zone. The good yeah. good thing zone. So Vermintide Two has another expansion coming up soon, and I'm just uh, man, uh, it's just you know what? It's basically like Left for Dead with with rat people right. and and, and crazy. the Warhammer universe. Yeah, in the Warhammer universe. And gosh, it is really cathartic after a long day in the office to come home and just spill hordes of rat blood, you know, all over the beautiful countryside, mm-hmm. as one does in the Warhammer are universe. There, like, what are the maps like? Because I was always under the impression they were like Victorian, England-esque. Uh, no, you know, more medieval, more, more medieval than that. But you've got like, um, you, you, you do have... Okay, yeah, actually, it does have... A, it's a little bit like hyper-developed medieval England. So, right. it's, you know, you do have this kind of like dramatic architecture structures but they're all like ruined cities oh okay. they've been overrun by rat people because this and... is like the apocalypse right like the vermintide uh, is like the apocalypse and warhammer the... is basically a constant state of apocalypse i feel like oh okay like you know everything kind of place yeah it's always in ruin because everyone's always fighting somebody you know so you're like you're you're fighting you're fighting in cities that have been taken over by the enemy okay and but also you're fighting in dwarven ruins and okay. and snowy mountains and in caves and this is like the fantasy warhammer this it's is a fantasy this warhammer, is now 40k yeah. and i'm no expert on warhammer lore this is i don't play the i i i don't actually know anything about the lore all i know about is killing rat people all right that's all you need to know yeah uh what are you playing as what are the characters like so there's like there, there's uh like there's a, a wizard or there's something five different characters like yeah yeah it's kind of almost got like a gauntlet feel to it but each each character also has like a different variant you can play as so there's like a witch hunter captain guy there's a, a fire wizard an elf rogue archer lady okay uh dwarf uh, ranger slash tank. Is he using like a flintlock rifle? And I mean, they all have. They've got you know blunderbusses, and right. they've got that. Yeah, they do have flintlock pistols and crossbows and bows and all kinds of things. Staffs that shoot fire, flamethrowers. So they've got a whole bevy. It's it's a, it's it's got it's got. You you just kind of dig until you find the style you like, and that's something I like in a game where you're just like, I gotta find the weapons that work for me. Yeah. So am I am I going to be a flail boy today, or am I going to have an axe in one hand and a sword in the other? And that's the kind of you know that's the kind of uh, self reflection I like to see in a action RPG. Is um you you working with a crew? You got a group of people you work you playing with? That's the hardest thing about about um what I find. There's so many options in video games. Uh, I have lots of people who I can occasionally pull in and be like, come play, kill rats with me for a night. But everyone's kind of off trying new games all the time. Right. There's always a new game as service to play. Yeah. And so it's not like no, no one ever sticks with a thing anymore. I remember back in the good old days when I wasted my life playing MMOs with people for like years at a time. Sure. And it was like, this is the thing that we did as a group. And there was there was something kind of beautiful of that. I mean, it was just one game that we put a lot of money into that... But I mean, it brought us joy, I guess. Yeah. And what, am I trying to say that I miss MMOs in their glory days? Oh God, what have I become? Well, let me tell you, man. Wow, classics coming out. <laughs> yeah. You can relive those days and find out that rose-colored glasses are uh, more powerful than you could imagine. That's true. I mean, you can never replace the 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 like the sense of discovery when you're playing that game for the first time, like like exploring the Azeroth in that state for the first time, having people that were all discovering the world with you at the same time. You can never really go back to va- vanilla classic WoW yeah. ever again because it was it, it's it's a, it's a place in time. It's it's, it's gone. Oh man, that's a that's a mighty heavy thing to think about. But Vermintide 2, you're enjoying? Yeah, man. Sticking you know with? 
That's cool. Well, it's 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 got the nice quality of just drop in, drop out. Whenever you're having a hard day, you know, there's a there's a catharsis waiting for you in the blood of rat men. Okay. How about um, you? What, what's what's been bringing joy into your life? Ah, gee. Well, so still been plugging away at Apex Legends. Um, oh, you are playing that. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Still good. Okay. So it, d- this is the Apex Legends podcast. Um, so I, I I've not played it, although I understand that it is like the thing that EA accidentally got right, or maybe at least as a publisher well, got the, lucky with. E- EA got right by acquiring a studio that they had been working. Okay. With. So they had been working on Apex Legends for a while. Well, so based so respawn made the Titanfall games. Mm-hmm. Oh. Um, and it wasn't until after Titanfall two came out that EA acquired respawn. Okay. Uh, as kind of like a uh, protective measure. Because uh, I think Nexon or uh, some Chinese company, I think, was looking to acquire Respawn to oh, like man. add to their giant stable of studios that they had ownership of, and so EA was like, "No, we need to, we need to buy them." So they made an acquisition, and then Respawn is working on that new Jedi game that they teased last E3. Wait, wait, oh no, oh no! So you're saying that EA? Has do they do they start working on the Jedi game after EA got them? Uh, before I think because I, I thought I thought they would they had were in it. partnership with EA like okay, EA okay. published Titanfall one and two and then after that they were like all right well, let's acquire them. Either way, that's that's such a like a uh, how many how many Star Wars games has EA shut down now? It's like two or three, right? Because I mean there was the one that was at Visceral, yeah, that the, the Henning was working on. There was that, yeah. Uh, well, that's the same one. Amy Henning was working at Visceral on that one, and then they canned it, moved it to EA Motive, and then canned that one. Um, and yeah, I think there's another one that they somewhere. Yeah, EA. Apparently, Disney th- still thinks EA is doing a great job with the Star Wars license. I so. feel like as long as they're making money, that's probably sure. That's probably all Disney really cares just, about. Yeah, it's just between that stuff and then the Battlefront Two controversies. Yeah, I you know the thing that's probably the 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 worst about this is that you can't you can't kill star wars as a franchise that fans care about like even if you make a 10 years of bad games with star wars games and then somebody is somebody else gets the license you know to make a star wars game people will be like oh we gotta try the next star wars yeah, game yeah, yeah yeah it's an unkillable fan yeah. base people still it's like sonic right it doesn't yeah. matter how many bad sonic games come out people I, like this this is the one, man. I, I, Sega I, got it right. I, I still can't understand that. I, like I, Sonic is so well, we had dead a good, to me. There was a good Sonic game, like Sonic Mania. Sonic Mania yeah. was good. I didn't or, play like, it. I mean, according to the people that like Sonic, yeah. I would not consider myself among that group. Uh, I know we've derailed your Apex Legends things, but while we're on Sonic, I just saw, and it's been going. I think it's probably a couple years old now. But there was a fan made um, like. 3d sonic like game thing okay and god it looked beautiful it, it, it was just like this guy free running around a, a green hill zone and reinterpreted into 3d and and it, it had like it it perfectly kind of melded the the style and colors of the pixel world with with a 3d environment and it and it, and it he was going really, really fast, and it like had this really great like screen bending effect. And I was like, "Why can't somebody with this much love for Sonic work on a Sonic project?" Well, they did. They got Christian Whitehead, who was part of like the Sonic fan community, and that's, and that's to make Sonic Mania, Mania or to work with him on Sonic Mania. Maybe I should try Sonic Mania. Um, I've I've never been a huge Sonic fan, so I'm happy that there is at least one. But so like that one came out, and then immediately after that, they had Sonic Forces, which apparently yeah. was just like fell back into the slop of like what bad sonic games were and it was like guys what are you doing 
Sonic Forces was at least uh, a net positive for me because it was so amusing to see all of the horrible creations yes. that people made. Yes, it was it was the uh, OC generator of the game. Yeah. Um, but Apex Legends. Apex Legends. Is a, from my understanding, it's a hero shooter battle royale. Is yes. that the kind of way to describe it? That's a fairly, yeah. It's, it's Overwatch battle royale, I've heard, being tossed around. Mm. Um, yeah, still playing it, still really enjoying it. Um, mostly playing with randos, That I, though I did play a couple rounds with uh andrew dicey Shuldice, developer of tunic um, oh, that's pretty that's pretty rad a couple yeah i mean we know each other so we I, he was on ps4 he was playing uh uh whatever the new dragon quest is what is it Did 12 12 9 11 it's, it's either 11 or it's, it's above 10 okay and i was like hey instead of playing that why don't we play some apex legends and he was like i'm down um but yeah, I mean, it, it, it hits some of the similar stuff to PUBG hits. You know, it's a battle royale, obviously, and there's strategy involved, and it's fun. But also just, like, the the quality of life improvements they've made in the battle royale genre is uh, very enjoyable. I would recommend it. I mean, it's free, so there's, yeah. no, like, there's no reason not to try it out. The only reason I, uh, at this point, like, gosh, it's funny because I still I keep spending money on games, but... Uh, it, it's just a matter of like the backlog of games I have. And right. do I want to play this new free to play game over something I've purchased like two years ago that I haven't touched yet? Yeah. Like uh, Undertale. <laughs> Stone, God damn it. What is <laughs> yeah. wrong with you people? You know, I, 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 just, I, I just I was just lecturing Alex on this last episode. Like play fucking Undertale. I, I, I came to a point where I almost played it a couple days ago, a couple weeks ago. I was like, you know, I'm gonna play Hollow Knight instead. And um, Hollow Knight's good. It's, it's really From good. Where? It's really, really where? good. Well, I mean, that's why I built that list, right? So peeling, peeling the, pulling the curtain back a little bit. Yeah. I mean, kind of a, a a spreadsheet for everyone to kind of like dump games into and like what their interest is in playing it. Because yeah. like, would like to play some more games collectively as a group yeah, on the show. That'd be interesting. And uh, you know, we all have piles of shame, and we could. There's probably like more overlap than than we'd think if we kind of throw stuff in there. Yeah, for sure. I, I, it, it's um. Undertale, I, I think my, my initial reaction when everybody when it first came out was just like, okay, everybody loves this game. Obviously, I'm going to have to play it. But then it was kind of that hipster like recoil of like, right. no, I, too, I can't experience this genuinely popular. anymore. Right. Yeah. Uh, so, but but it's 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 got to be imminent. And I you know I know we've all been I don't know if we, you talked about it on this podcast at all, but the Return of Oberdin looks really cool. So yes. Yeah. I feel like we all want to play that one. Yeah. I'm sure we can all get a powwow on that soon. Yeah. I feel like that one. I mean. Uh, we all, except for Alex, everyone got Pika Niku for free on mm-hmm. on Twitch. So I feel like it's also, we're probably all going to end up getting the new Pokemon games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that almost seemed exhausted, almost <laughs> defeated. Like, well, I mean, Alex and I were talking about this. We were messaging each other, and it's like, Are you can get this new Pokemon. Yeah, you can get this new Pokemon. Yeah. <laughs> so let's 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 jump into that since since we mentioned it. There's sure. a uh, there is a seven minute direct nintendo direct this past week um for pokemon they were announcing the new pokemon for switch this is the yeah mainline pokemon entry coming to switch so basically first home console where the pokemon series was going to be on a home console instead of a handheld even though you know technicality switch is still a handheld and um yes pokemon sword 
Sword and Shield. Sword and Child. It's interesting. It was remarkable to me about this trailer is how little they have to do right. to have a profound like Just have impact people on the fucking internet. Yeah. Fighting in the streets over which starter is the best yeah. one. It's 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 interesting because I which mean is it, Sable, you know, by the way. Yes, it is it is Sable. Okay, we are in agreement. You. There's I I should probably take a different point of view just to argue about it. But uh score bunny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean uh the the environment looks nothing special for a Pokemon game. It looks like a pretty standard right. Pokemon world. Right. Uh, the graphics, they're, they're, it's it's cool it looks, to see. Yeah. It, you know, like prettier, bigger. They toned down. Like there was one, I think it was X and Y, where they like really ramped up like the big bobblehead chibi look. And oh, like, yeah. I, I'm not about this. And I think like Sun and Moon, they kind of pulled it back, back a little bit. It's 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 just interesting to me that that Pokemon is so unrelenting in its formula. Um, and fans are still cool with that. Yeah. And that part of me was like thinking like, okay, cool. Mar- they got a little playful with like Mario Galaxy and with Breath of the Wild. I hope they get playful with other franchises too. You mean Odyssey? Too. Is that what, what did I say? Galaxy? Say Galaxy. I said, uh, Mario Odyssey, yeah. Um, and God, I, 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 we haven't seen the battle system yet, but... Oh, it's turn-based. It's going to be It's, it's going to be the same. There's you, no- saw, you saw a little bit of a trailer. Like there was no UI, but it was... Pikachu yeah. lined up. You yeah, know, what was he uh, fighting? I don't even remember. It was like a Pokemon number six hundred forty-three. Pikachu confirmed though. P- Pikachu confirmed. It's a big deal. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I I'd be curious to see if they do. I didn't play Sun and Moon, so I didn't either. I skipped that one. I, I skipped most of them at this point. Yeah. But um, I think I, the I, the most recent one in like the chronology that I've played. I mean, uh, like the only 3D one I've played is Alpha Ruby. Mm. I played X. I, so yeah, I played I the play, Chibi Heads. I didn't play X and Y. Um, I, the, I, that, that got me for the first time since like red and blue and yellow and I had plat, uh, silver and platinum. But silver and gold. Si- yeah, it had been, been that long. Well, silver and gold and also platinum. Oh, okay. Uh, but that, platinum it, it, was it later. Been that long since I had bought one since like right. the original Game Boy. And then the Twitch Plays Pokemon came out. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, all these nostalgia feelings inside yeah. me. Uh, and so I went out and got a DS and Pokemon X. Um, and now I'm kind of excited that everyone is so pumped on the Switch. Everyone is so excited yeah, yeah. about the Switch, Switch as a console that it does... It, it immediately makes their, like, I can already feel the community around Pokemon happening. Like, the fact that we're all going to be playing it is going to make it a really fun thing to talk about, I think, in a way that I didn't feel about X. I got X kind of as, a, as like, a, I'm doing this basically alone. I uh, No one else around me was like, right. super into Pokemon. And so... It's gonna. I think it'll be interesting to be like my brother's playing Pokemon, my friends in Georgia are playing Pokemon, right. everyone I know in Richmond is playing Pokemon. Like, this well, that's what Pokemon Go did, right? Like Pokemon yeah. Go, like really revitalized a lot of that stuff. It, it it was actually pretty cool to walk around and just. I mean, like even that was actually really unique, just to like walk around in strangers, walk around yeah. strangers in the park. I went on a date that was completely built around going for, to walk around the city and play Pokemon Go, and that was like this is a brilliant idea. But the problem with for me was that it, like, it was a really great platform that needed depth. I like I need I sure. personally needed like more. they didn't implement like. What was it trading until two years yeah. later? Yeah, right? and I, I still, I still even today, like I, I've got friends who play it, and I, I'm not entirely sure how they do it, but I guess they must have a much deeper love of the brand of Pokemon than I do. Mm, I but, mean, I don't know. I think all of our we, Owen, compare like levels of love, but because like for me, and I saw, 
don't know how to pronounce his name on Twitter. Nibble, Nibble, Nibelian. Um, uh, he was talking about how <laughs> he was laughing that people were getting frustrated that Sword and Shield are again just another kind of mm. what some would consider a cookie cutter entry without any um like you express like breath of the wild style like innovation on it and he's like why would they change a super successful formula mm-hmm. that's been working for them for 20 years why would they change it now what in like what incentive and in in they're right in like pokemon i think what we all kind of have to come to terms with is that like pokemon is like in a lot of ways kids first rpg yeah right and like but because there's so much love and care and passion with like the Pokemon designs and, and all that stuff is that we as adults want to see change innovation and something more, you know, intellectually stimulating yeah, on, on the gameplay sure. front. And, and I would consider myself one of those people. I would love it to be, you know, take, take the ideas that Pokemon tournament was kind of stirring around and mm-hmm. like put that, make it more of an action game. Um, even if it stayed turn-based, you could make turn-based games more complicated. Right. There's really, and they've really done stuff like that. Yeah. They've done like double battles and like, well, sure. Um, I, I still feel like those kind of, they, they, I, they didn't to me change it enough. Like right. I want more, more decision-making in the process of a turn-based game. Sure. And I feel like whenever I do pick up, I play Pokemon the battles almost play themselves because I already know right. what it's, the it's best a thing to do is a very basic case. rock, paper, scissors yeah. game. And, um, but, but also we need to keep in mind that like game freak is not Nintendo. Yeah. So like we can't expect like the same ideas that happened in Nintendo R and D one. Right. That make Odyssey and, and Zelda is. and everything to go into Pokemon as well. It is interesting though to think about how that how much of an effect that has because every even when when Nintendo repeats a formula in a franchise like Zelda or like Mario they do find ways to throw in like curveballs and yeah, change up the style the gameplay yeah and 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 so now lately I think they're being more exp- um doing more exploration with it I hope that stays like I hope they keep on taking risks with game design um, because it's uh, if it doesn't work cool so at least you took a risk did something different sure um but uh i mean the people are gonna you know i i don't think they're they're likely to financially fail on on software risks as much as hardware risks right um because the franchises have so much staying power but um no i mean i i am still kind of on the fence whether or not i'm gonna pick it up but i want to because i want to feel what i felt um when i first played pokemon you're gonna pick it up and you are i mean we'll see but it's called Sword and Shield, Dylan. I'm not super hot on the names. Swords are cool, Dylan. I'm the kind of guy that's like, they should have just stuck with colors. <laughs> and they should have just like kept trying to like find difficult, unique. I mean, I actually, I was okay. Ruby and Sapphire and Diamond and Pearl, like even those, I'm like, these are good names. They, 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 they kind of call to a color. Sun and Moon kind of call to a color. Sure. And so do, I mean, I guess X and Y, like they have their different color palettes. But like... well. X sure. and Y, I think, was about the same as Sword and Shield, ultimately. Right. Like, the point is, like, to me, it was about, like, these color expressions more so than just, like, diametrically mm-hmm. opposite things. But it's, it's, a, it's a fairly superfluous theming. That no, it is. Yeah. It is. It totally is. <laughs> but just, like, me and my OCD brain, I was yeah. like, no, you should have stuck with it. Well, what what other what other titles can we come up with that are that are specifically color themed 
um, well, so it so the thing is, it doesn't have to be so like Diamond and Pearl are kind of colors and kind of not, right? So sure. you could have done something like Pokemon Rose and Pokemon Violet, right? Mm. Like, oh, it's a flower theme, but it still evokes color. Damn. You, you done it, Dylan. I did it. You, you've done, done. it. <laughs> You're a true Joe. Signing off. <laughs> I award you the title of true Joe. Oh, man. Yeah. I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens. Um, from a, from a, a game designer perspective... Because Pokemon just continues to not facilitate what I want to see, I've just kind of taken it on my upon myself to take some of those ideas and put it into my own work. Yeah. Um, and there's some stuff gestating. I'm not gonna nice. I'm not gonna go too deep into it, but I am working on something that kind of okay. What if Pokemon was not turn based? Mm, that's cool. And, that's exciting. Yeah. I. Out of curiosity, have you have you played Nino Kuni? No, but do you know that is? It I is, know the president has a gun. Oh, and then have you not seen seen the beginning of two? No, not two. I've only played the first one. Can I, can I spoil it? It's literally sure. like the first cutscene. Yeah, yeah. Like it's like the title sequence. It is like a nondescript city scape, and there's this like armored car, not armored car, but like you know presidential like. Um, cavalcade cavalcade going over a bridge and the president's in there um, and then a nuke goes off and then the president wakes up there's like a flash of light that like covers the bridge where they at and then the president wakes up in like the Nino Kuni kingdom universe whatever and he is like your starting character Whoa. in Nino Kuni 2 and he has a fucking gun what? <laughs> he fights with like a pistol well there is a character who had a gun in the first one Although okay. It, you met him in the fantasy world. He was a de- he was an inhabitant of the fantasy world. Sure. And his gun, I I, th- I feel like it was, it was a like more, super ornate and yeah, it was fantastical. It, it wasn't like a like a human crafted pistol. No, the suit is a <laughs> yeah. president in a suit, like old gray haired like white dude in a nice three piece suit with the fucking Glock. Yeah, that's that's impressive. I didn't know. I I haven't I, I have not played Nino Kuni two in part because Nino Kuni one wore out on me eventually okay it's it's basically pokemon um, oh, okay yeah so you have characters right you have these these party members but you catch spirits and then you can like merge the spirits and like involve them into new spirit types mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um literally like it's you're evolving them you right. know like into their next stage and uh it's it's so closely pokemon um that i was, I was almost like man it, it has studio ghibli though and that was really cool you know yeah. doing the animation and stuff yeah the art was really good. um but i was like this just also like hits home so much how like there's a lot of cool even just if you take the core concept of Pokemon collecting and growing creatures, you could do so much more with that. And why they ended up in just kind of a very similar turn based structure was like kind of disappointing. Uh, I, I I don't know. I guess I, I I can't think of too many other games that have that kind of same collectum teat raise. Well, people have tried, right? Yeah, like, there was like a like. But I can't think of anything successful at least. Um, I mean, you can think of semi. So Digimon, Yu Gi Oh. Um, I was a big fan of Cubics robots for everyone. That was one that. that was like it had like a very early CG cartoon show. It looked like reboot if you remember the old I, reboot well, show. It was like I that, what reboot looks like, but it was I, like that quality of CG animation. I, as far as I'm concerned, you've completely made this up. Bakukan, right? Beyblades in a way. Um, I keep going. I guess there were a lot of images. Uh, Yokai Watch. 
is a recent uh, attempter at the throne. I guess the thing that I feel is that none of them were obviously came near the success of Pokemon. I mean, you sure Digimon was well known, but there's not a lot of games. Digital monsters. Yeah. (laughs) There's not a lot of like Digimon games that anyone's going to point to and be like, this is like part of, but also like no one's taken that, like even just that, that core premise and done their own thing with it. As far as I can tell in in a big way. Well, it's hard, right? Because like, as soon as you're inspired by Pokemon, it's very hard to like um, pivot from that because like it's it's there's a lot of like the idea is pretty locked and sound right it's like okay we're gonna we're gonna substitute all the animals in this world with creatures Mm -hmm. and they all have certain names and abilities and all this stuff and like the whole component is about uh, capturing them and there's this whole kind of like uh, naturalistic you know conservationist kind of like undertones to it and it's about friendship and 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 like it takes place in a normal like world so as soon as you pivot from that it immediately becomes like oh it's pokemon but they're digital or it's pokemon but they're trading cards or well, i think if you maybe like uh backed up off a little bit of like the like don't worry about the fact that you're you're collecting creatures or monsters or whatever like just let it be what it is right maybe you're just charming them with your personality or maybe you're 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 oh, it's a dating sim uh, yeah pokemon but, dating sim but maybe it's not a fighting game maybe you use them to solve platforming problems you yeah know? okay maybe it's a maybe it's a it's a sim game and it's something like animal crossing and you just use them to get new things in your city or something mm-hmm. uh I, I the idea of collecting this cute fuzzy army of things that you feel um some kind of patronly or just completely collectory um draw to is it's a it's a very powerful premise, and I feel like we've we've had seen developers copy premises of other games and and, and right. do their own thing with them, you know, uh, a lot. But maybe Pokemon just seems so untouchable because it's like it's so iconic. Yeah, but we're gonna take a shot at the king. Better not miss. Yeah, I mean, Darksiders took uh, took the Zelda formula and kind of did their own thing with it, and I think the the Darksiders one at least um, yeah. it gets compared to Zelda a lot. Um, I haven't played the sequels, so I can't really say. Speaking but. of, oh man, Darksiders. Did, did we just do a transition? Perfect, <laughs> perfect segue, Joe. Do you, so, Leo, do you like Darksiders and Red Faction I and did. Time Splitters? <laughs> Once upon <and>, a time, <laughs> my brother was more of a fan of Darksiders than I was, but that wasn't really. That's just because I didn't put a lot of time into playing it. I think. I think if I had played it, I probably would be much more disappointed right now than I than I would otherwise be. <laughs> well, it's just if you look at thq nordic's catalog there's a lot of games that they there's now a, there's own there's a game that's coming up that i'm really excited about and now i don't know how to feel uh bio mutant is coming up yeah metro ca- is metro, technically uh, published by them i believe oh, is it well, yes eh, well metro people they, they, really like that series metro is a great series but also they remember they, they also had some they also made some guff recently about doing their well they they was it the Epic Games publisher that they, they decided to go through exclusively? Yes, for for launch at least. Right, and then they were somebody made a comment about um, true fans wouldn't wait or whatever. I, I can't remember. Somebody said oh, something. They said that, like yeah. uh, the four A said that. Some yeah, somebody said some commented something about how you know uh, fans wouldn't care what launcher it was on. They would just true fans would actually get it, and uh, it was just such a snarky like whatever, man. I don't want to get another launcher just for your game. 
I, I've already got it actually because yes. I got because I got that that um get the Epic, Weed Park for free uh, and, Epi- and Jackbox uh, J- Super Giant Games. Um, oh Hades, Hades. I got that, so I've got it already. But yeah, Hades, the it's Super Giant principle Games. Of the matter. Super Giant Games is a studio I feel much more strongly about, and so I was like, all right, I'll get your game. But I ultimately, from the sound of things, everything on Epic Games launcher is gonna come to Steam eventually. Uh, mm, no, Most H- of it. Hades is not. You disagree? I, I can't say. I, I, I'm I'm pretty sure that one's going to be exclusive. It, I, I don't think it will be. I cannot elaborate on why that is. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, Ooh. But, uh, but yes, yeah, so uh, THQ Nordic. Yeah, what's up with them guys? Um, They're doing fine. Thanks for asking. <laughs> Good. I'm, I'm happy to hear that. Have they, have they uh, you know, they seem to be pretty active with the community on the yeah, internet. Yeah, they're good at, at the social, on the socials. Yeah, I, I wonder what's the best place to reach them. I don't know. Um, I wish they would do like, like a, like a... AMA uh, kind of thing? Yeah, some sort of like FAQ thing, kind of like an AMA where you can ask them stuff. But what's the right forum for it? Hmm... Something, something spicy, something, <laughs> something special, le- out of left field that you wouldn't maybe expect. Something that, like you know, has been delisted yeah. on like major search engines for like practices such as sharing child pornography. Oh my, that is that is a they, there's no way they would. They, no, no, it's way a they little too much. That. It's a little too much. You wouldn't do that. THQ Nordic hosted <laughs> an AMA on 8chan. Which is like the demonic half brother of 4chan. Um, and then they like half defended themselves on it. Yeah, let's go down this. Okay, so um, I didn't get the first half of this tweet. Let's see if I can dig it up. Um, they even get the the good. I so uh, to, right, put, I to put even... like a perspective on it. From what they they said, their like response to people getting mad at them about it was. We were invited and we didn't do our due diligence, right? That was yes. kind of let me, the... let me let me um There's some there's some good tweets here. Uh yeah, here it is. Uh we're doing a H Chan AMA and we have no idea why. Come join us. And then uh follow-up tweet to that. The opportunity was here and we took it. We got approached in a very friendly and polite manner, and we were assured said person, shout out to Mark, will take care of the nasty stuff. So here we are. Uh, nasty stuff. I'm sure being, um, you know, yeah, the, the the aforementioned child pornography and the other gross stuff that happens in in Eight Chan, and um, yeah. So they did the started doing the AMA. Um, I saw some screen caps from it. I didn't. I was at work, so there was no way I was going to <laughs> dive in and and see what the whole thing was like. But there was a lot of like kind of tiptoeing around it. And being like, hey, maybe they didn't know what they were doing or like, hey, you know, maybe it was just some random PR person that was just asked. And like, you know, in this day and age, people are fighting over eyeballs. So if some like platform asks you directly to host an AMA on Mm -hmm. their site and you don't think about doing any level of research beyond that, you're like, awesome. Someone cares about us. That's great. But um. Uh, the person, the person that was answering questions on there, the thqn underscore philip, um, was answering questions in such a way that made it seem that they knew what they were doing, that they knew where they were. Um, someone asked 
Uh, well, even their first thing was, I, we have no idea why we're here. Yeah. It's, like, it's just <laughs> like, they know that it's a weird place to be. Yes. Because if, if it was an AMA anywhere else, they wouldn't say, we don't know why we're here. Right. And, and, and like even the follow-up thing where, you know, it says, you know, shout out to Mark, shout out to Mark. He will take care of the nasty stuff. Yeah. So like they're they're aware of what this thing is. But like one of the questions I got was like, what are you guys doing with Destroy All Humans, which is like another property oh, right. they own? And they said, uh, we quote, we work it like an alien prostitute. Oh man. Another question, or this is more of a statement. Please don't censor any games nor appeal to the social justice crowd. You guys are doing fine as is. And the response was, Thanks. We'll try to keep it that way. And like it's it's obvious here that that they they knew how to respond to these types of people. Like yeah. you know, it, you could be like, oh well, it's just you know a, a social media manager like just trying to be nice and keeping the peace. Like even though it's a super gross statement, it's like no, because um, someone else was sharing um, some more acquisitions that THQ has recently made. Uh, one of which is the um, Kingdom Come Deliverance, Deliverance developers yeah. who are the creative lead or founder of that studio is like a known Gamergate apologist defender. Hmm. And so it's kind of like this weird, almost seems like I'm not sure where THQ Nordic is headquartered. I want to assume in Scandinavia because it's Nordic Nordic. Um, but it might, I know it, I know they're European at the very least. They might be Eastern European, but it seems like this very weird kind of, um, Okay, Google. Where is THQ Nordic? THQ Nordic is right behind you. <laughs> they are based in S- oh Vienna, actually. Um, that is a subsidiary of T- uh, Swedish company THQ Nordic. Oh wait, AB. I don't know how this Sweden slash Vienna is going to be my answer here. Okay. So yeah, so at least part partially Eastern Europe. Um, but it does seem like a lot of like because because the deliverance devs they're they're out of um, Bohemia I believe or at least mm-hmm. the game is takes place in Bohemia I think they're out of like Poland or something yeah but it does seem like this very um, and you see it in regular politics too this crop up of like alt rightism in Eastern Europe like kind of becoming a hotbed of that and like I seem a, to remember that about the Witcher developers as well CD Projekt Red yeah I mean the CD Projekt Red has its own issues with like you know <laughs> their social media manager like saying transphobic things mm-hmm. on like the GOG account and the cyberpunk account. Um, and then uh, C project red, this isn't necessarily like alt right stuff, but also like standard having really terrible hours at their oh, company, sure. um, really bad crunch culture there in a kind of what you would imagine being in Europe, kind of a more kind of, uh, more worker protections being in place, but not so much there. And I think in, in, in some of the, you know, in the Balkans and some former Soviet satellites, you are seeing this kind of like backslide, democratic backslide into some authoritarian um, actions and, and policies happening in place. So it might be a partially a cultural thing that's just like, this is where alt-right is having a very huge uh, hotbed and companies are ingratiating that into their culture and Mm -hmm. taking advantage of that and then trying to capture it around the world. I mean, but like at the end of the day, it's gross. Right. Because I mean, they're on a site that hosts child pornography and also all of these other gross fringe ideas and and everything else. It's weird because I think in in a world where everything is connected via the internet, everything kind of 
gets into the shuffle, like the political shuffle of like, what is, what are, what is your, uh, your, the vibe you're putting out to the world? Even if for someone who doesn't care about politics and they avoid, you know, watching the news, they can find out that THQ Nordic did this thing and they're like, oh, this is just disappointing, you know? And it's like, it's almost, I mean, it's, it's just weird that, uh, brain is like melting now trying to think about all this, but, um, I guess it's weird to think that like about that, even being a part of like game development, like what your political identity might be as a result of like, even just kind of passively um, making making a, a tweet here or there, but then it like has a, it has a real effect on what your audience thinks of you. Well, it's important, right? And yeah. it's, it's, it's important even when developers try to choose to be apolitical, right? Mm. Cause I mean, this is an artistic medium. So when they try to say, oh, well, we don't, we're not about politics. And it's like, well, art is inherently political. If you create art, you're making a statement on something. And at some point you are commenting on someone else's politics. Or if you, I mean, or if you're, you're well known and you're on the internet, then you, you have a platform. And so then everything you say has this kind of impact. And so now you can't be unpoliticized in a way. Like if you, if you, come out and state I'm in support of workers' rights and the crunch culture and the layoffs and mm. everything happening in the industry is bad. That is political. That's not right. apolitical. Just you might try to couch it, you know, in your head in the perspective of like, no, I just care about the people in this industry and developers. Like, okay, that's fine. But still, people make their livelihoods on building political f- platforms on either supporting those ideals right. or acting against those ideals. And you need to be aware of that. It's a great example of that recently is like the, the Ubisoft stuff with the Division 2, where Ubisoft, ever since they've announced the Division 2 and takes place in Washington, D.C., they're like, ah, there's no politics. Ah, there's no politics. I saw like a trailer on Twitter, and it starts out with just a gunfight on the White House lawn. It's like, yeah. you can't say there are no politics. Yeah, you there can't. Are, there are obviously politics. Like, there are pictures of like um corpses like of of uh, dead protesters in that game that are holding signs about like you know affordable uh uh medications and vaccines for everyone and right. all that stuff and it's like that that is inherently political you put it in a nation's capital one of the most powerful nations in the world you can't be like well there's no politics there's no, there's no politics it's it's pretty it's pretty unescapable now i think it's just it's too much on the cultural conscience i think more sure. than it ever has been before but i think that's good i think I think people need to finally reckon with this stuff in a lot of ways. Yeah, it's it's ugly, but that's why we have to deal with it. Right. Like, I hate, I constantly hate the statement of, why can't games be about games? Why can't this just be about games? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, wait, what does that mean? What does that mean? That just means that you just, you don't want to be challenged in your ideals and your and your thoughts. Like, that's, that's what that means. Right. That I means mean, that you just want to sit down and not have to think about anything don't complain when somebody wants to you're not explore gonna appeal to the social justice people yeah, <laughs> yeah. too many women in star wars <laughs> christ yeah that that whole thing's just a mess and just and now they're trying to backtrack on it it's like we didn't know and we're sorry you know the i think it was like the vp of marketing or one of the higher ups was saying how he didn't do his due diligence and there's a lot of people saying that like this was conscious. This was a conscious thing. Like there's, there's the appeal to the thing. And then, uh, I saw Liz Ryerson on Twitter talking about how like, um, 
like denouncing it is also part of the strategy. Exactly. I was going to say, I mean, if you, it's just more attention, right? Like be in the spotlight, regardless if it's good or bad, because you can just say, look, we made a mistake. And the truth is most people are going to forget about this in a couple of months. Right. Which is a shame. Yeah. Like it's, it's, we're not holding these companies accountable. Yeah. In uh, ways that we should like, and a lot of people were like, because people got really, really, really angry when it first happened, and like a lot of, uh, a lot of the reasons, or and for good reason, it was because the site is known for child pornography. Yeah, and there was someone that was saying like, like child pornography and pedophilia and those and those terrible, terrible like topics are like one of the few bastions of like, like something everyone gets angry about. Right. Right. It was like the Milo stuff when Milo, I forget his, I don't know how to pronounce, yeah, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, but he, um, you know, he making gay jokes and, and, and trying to, and being like anti-gay despite being gay and like, you know, trying to defend the, the conservatives ideal of like what, what's wrong with queer people in the gay lifestyle. And like everyone was on the right marching with that. And the second right. he made like a joke or like hinted at like pedophilia just like hard cut. Well, just at hard least cut. At least we have a, a line somewhere. It seems right. like. But the thing is, like, if if THQ is not taking the task on this stuff, then that line vanishes, or at least well, it starts. I it starts it, fading. It wears down because what what they've done at least they, they didn't make a post about it. They didn't like have a James Gunn ten years ago tweet, you know, about you know something gross. But they're so adjacent to it. But but that that almost. Like it's almost more upsetting than what they did than what James Gunn said ten years ago. Because at least we know James Gunn was just being a stupid comedian, you know, with his tweets back then. Um, but either way, like the there's it's there is this kind of like free advertisement in in outrage. So even if you know that someone's going to get outraged, it's the same thing that companies like Nike are doing. With Colin Kaepernick, and uh, don't get me wrong, pr- promoting a, a a good message with marketing is like that feels good, but really they just want people to go and burn their Nike shoes, you know, so that they, that can that can explode. It's kind of the reverse version. It's uh, let's offend conservatives to make a to make an outrage zeitgeist. Mm-hmm. Uh, THQ Nordic, let's offend anyone who's offended by Eight Chan by making a, a zeitgeist, which should be everyone. It should be, but I, I think there's a number of gamers who are just like, uh, or there's an internet culture that's just like, ah, calm down, you know. Right. There's definitely a large subset of that, but, ah, uh. yeah, that whole thing sucks. Gross. I hate it. Yeah. Um, and it really, and, and you mentioned it before. Like, it sucks for people that are fans. Like, a lot of devs that are owned by THQ Nordic are just like, what the fuck? Like, my, you know my boss's boss's boss decided like, Hey, let's represent the company by going on a Chan, which is terrible. Like I didn't sign on for this. Right. So what the hell? It is weird to think. I don't know. I have no idea how no concept of how big they are as a, co- a company, like huge. And they keep raising money. Yeah. They keep raising money and they keep just acquiring people and acquiring people. And so far, like it doesn't seem like they have like a huge amount to show for it. Like, Darksiders 3 was kind of like lukewarm reception. Um, I think the remasters they did of like Red Faction, uh, Gorilla, and didn't they do another one recently? I don't know. But like um, Agents of Agents of Mayhem, which was the uh, 
the Volition, the the Saints Row developers. Like yeah. That, that game wasn't really, didn't really set the world on fire. You have Metro, which I mean, some people are going back and forth about how they feel about Metro. I guess they've had a lot more solidity in the past. Like, right. Like, like they're, they're, they're success just comes from writing the coattails of the franchises that they're purchasing yeah so like they bought time splitters and everyone freaked out because people wanted new time splitters and i mean do you want new time splitters now from a company that makes choices like this oh man that's weird to think about i i guess are they are they purchasing them in the same way that like that like activision purchases bungie where they're like well, Activision didn't purchase Bungie. Right. I guess, yeah. So that was a partnership. Uh, it was a partnership. These, these are acquisitions. These are, these are acquisitions. They're either acquiring intellectual properties. So, I mean, they became THQ Nordic because they were originally Nordic Games. And then they bought, they acquired the trademark of THQ when THQ went under. And along with that, maybe like half the stable of properties they had, which included, you know, Red Faction and, and uh, Saints Row and... Uh, the blob i think they re-released the blob because you know the blob is really hot um and then and then half of them and then half of the thq properties went to like deep silver i believe and then they just bought deep silver Hmm. so they just like recollected all of the everything that thq formerly owned that split apart and they're just like just stockpiling and stockpiling stuff and you see they're buying the kingdom come deliverance stuff they bought uh the kingdom of amalore license which is another oh yeah another oh man i remember being excited about that actually because kingdoms of amalore was actually really cool it was like a really good passion project from the uh creator of spawn uh Todd oh, okay. McFarlane. okay it's like he wrote the lore for that world and he worked with somebody else that was well known but i i only knew todd McFarlane. but like amalore also has like kind of an alt-right kind of tinge to it now because kurt schilling who was the head of that studio of um, not big, huge games. Cause that was the other, the uh, 38 studios, the um, you know, Kurt Schilling, former baseball player sold his bloody sock to pay for development costs and whatever. And then now he's like a ESPN, you know, sports commentator somewhere. Yeah. I think also goes pretty heavily into like Holocaust denialism and anti-Semitism. Oh, and, wow. Yeah. Like, I mean, I guess, I, I guess these people have to exist in the game industry by by just the way that people are dispersed throughout the world. Um, but it's just so weird to think about it. Like, I, I like to think about, I guess, everyone in the industry as being somewhere close to me, like in terms of outlook. Like, it, sure, because everyone I know personally is like who's a gamer. I find there's a lot of commonalities between the way we think about things as a whole. Um, and I always expect gamers to kind of like 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 our game developers to appreciate similar values as, as I do. And it's just so weird to think that someone can be like a nerd, but also like also terrible, a terrible, yeah, terrible person. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's frustrating. I, I think maybe part of that is the, maybe that naivety on my part is that I always felt like growing up that like, uh, part of the upside of, of always surrounding yourself with nerds was that, like they're they're just interested in like enjoying the things that they enjoy with people, you know. Uh, I I always felt like nerds were kind of the more um, accepting friend group or whatever. I had this kind of I guess 
maybe almost biased opinion. Now, now it's like everything, right? Like I, yeah. there was there was a time growing up where I felt like there was still kind of a split between what it meant to be nerdy and what it meant to be not nerdy. Not nerdy. But now everyone's kind of got something that makes right. it a little so it's it's more blurred. But I still feel like if you if you people who grew up and became game developers, they are. They are old school nerds, probably for the most part. Like they, 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 they probably came into it, and uh, it's just weird to think that you can be so shitty, and because I mean, God damn, like, yeah, 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 it's gross. Well, well, p- pivoting off of that, let's uh, we go, um, where, should we go somewhere happier, like Anthem? You know what? Let's. Oh. <laughs> well, I did. You, you. <laughs> You asked me what I've been playing, and we kind of briefly mentioned Apex, which I've mm. still been playing a lot of, and also been playing a lot of Brawl Stars, which Alex got me hooked on. It's the new Supercell uh, game. It's a mobile new Supercell. They made Clash Royale and Clash of Clans. Nothing. I'm, I've just got a complete just, blank. Just, just, just <laughs> Supercell. Nothing. No, I've never played any of those. Wait, are you familiar with them at all? I and I know I know the names of those games. Top down, c- cute characters, like kind of yeah, got like a yeah, yeah. you know Pixar so kind of like art a style sports battle kind of game or um kind of it's a it's a twin stick shooter multiplayer like arena twin game. stick on your phone yeah so it's two virtual sticks oh okay okay um but it's a lot of fun I've been playing it. there's a really good battle royale mode in it um we don't need to retread it. Uh, since we talked about it a bunch before, but yeah, it's still a uh, still playing a lot of that. Mm. But um, one thing I kind of rediscovered recently was uh, so w- what was like your first cell phone? My first cell phone, it was like a little Kyocera, like you know, I didn't. It was not touch screen. It had like a, a tiny like one and a half inch diameter screen okay. that you know displayed some text information uh my first was that classic nokia like 5110 oh, the, the, the unbreakable yeah yeah, yeah yeah the one that's just the the bar mm-hmm. with the antenna on it and then it had snake right because i mean like that, oh yeah, yeah that's yeah. the classic one right and i was thinking i was like yeah snake i, I just want to just wanted to check out some more snake so i just yeah. googled snake i was like all right what they're gonna send me to like coolmath.com or Newgrounds or whatever, mm-hmm. like whatever, whatever site I'm gonna play Snake on, and they uh, you can play those games in the browser now. Yeah, or on the in Google search, mm-hmm. like Google just has like a version of Snake on there, and like the art style is nice and like it looks good. It's like a lot less uh, um, harsh. Like they have like good sound effects and stuff. Like the sound design is very friendly and mellow. And I was like, okay, Snake. I played a couple rounds of Snake. I was like, yeah, Snake. And then one of the other games they had was Minesweeper. <laughs> which I have never understood how to play Minesweeper. Oh, really? In my life. Oh, man. You never got bored in computer class and just figured it out? No. Oh. Because I tried playing Minesweeper at a very young age. You know, I had a classic, like, Windows 97 PC back mm-hmm. in the day, like, when I was, like, six or seven or eight. And they had, you know, the classic suite of games. You had Solitaire, and as a little kid, you don't know how to play Solitaire, and they had mm-hmm. Ski Free, and you know how to play Ski Free because, like, it's just a simple action game. They had Rodent's Revenge, which you 
kind of understand how to play Rodan's Revenge. Um, I'm still pretty upset that Ski Free has no no way past that snowman. Yeah, that's just it. It, he, it kills me inside. He gets you. Yeah, like he I, does. He kills you. That's, he, what he, that's what he does. He does. He does kill you. Also, my spirit is literally dead in the real world <laughs> because, of, because of learning that that game has no nothing past that. Anyways, but um, Minesweeper. Minesweeper. I had no idea. I was like, all right, click. Sometimes numbers show up. <laughs> Sometimes I hit a bomb and then the smiley face at the top gets X's right on click, the there's a flag. What does that yeah, mean? I, yeah, uh. what does that mean? <laughs> if I click like a blank space, like a bunch of numbers show up. Yeah. <laughs> so I just sat there and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to try it. I'm going to figure out how to play Minesweeper. And then like you slowly understand. I was like, okay, the numbers correspond to like how many minds it's touching, how many minds are adjacent. It includes like both cardinal and diagonal directions. So mm-hmm. it, like it could be adjacent to corners um you're like okay so like you use that and you use like the other adjacent tiles to figure out like okay all right if this, if this space has a one and this space also has a one that means it has to be one of these two spaces all right this one has a three so it has to be one of a couple of these spaces and it's actually just a really good logic puzzle of just like you know especially as a programmer it's like yeah. all right it's, it's if this then that if this then that if this then that if this then that and it's really fun to like suss out where the minds are it's really addicting yeah and like where the uh you know not using any actual like probabilistic models but like just kind of guessing like probabilities like all right so the mind has to be on one of these two spaces right where would i think it would be well i think that's the nice the, there's something beautiful about the the, the flow of tension in, in minesweeper yes which is like okay first you have to guess right and then it's like okay cool now i've got some things i can work with yeah. and for a while you might be able to know for certain that that you're you're like okay this space is definitely clear and you work through it and then you come to a point where you're like oh no yeah i have to guess again and then you know if you guess correctly you're like yes i can i got more things i can figure out there's like this like it brings you to, to a point and then you're like oh no now i've got more resources if you fail it's like oh i gotta try again <laughs> so yeah. it, it's a really it's it's a weirdly perfect like little tiny game so I've played a lot of Minesweeper in yeah. the past couple of weeks. <laughs> it's interesting. Have you? What size have you? I usually go up medium. To? I okay. think I forget what the. It's usually like twenty something mines on the on the board. Um, but like my my opening strategy is all right. Random tap on a space that usually unlocks a huge swath because I mm-hmm. usually hit a blank, and then I look for all the ones and anywhere a one is uh, caddy cornered to a space only one other space yeah you know for sure that that space has a mine on it and then if that space has a mine on it so it's like you imagine a one a tile with a one on it and then on any of its four corners if any of the single corners um or if it only has on one of its corners an unchecked space you know that has a mine all right so if any of that one's other neighboring spaces are also ones you know that any they, of, the they other, any of their adjacent spaces are clear. Yeah. So you start working that way. And like I, I can get really fast. Like my opening game is just like, all right, hit. Okay, these are all these are all mines. These are all safe. And then I have to slowly start working. I get really frustrated if like the game I feel like the game's not giving me enough information. Where it's just like, all right, you gave me a bunch of threes. And there's a shit ton of adjacent tiles. I don't. What am I supposed to do with this game? Because I'm not gonna guess. Because if I guess, I mean, if I if you guess in the early game and you fuck up, it's fine. You just restart. Yeah, restart. But if you like guess in the mid game, you're, you're like, like all of this precious work. Yeah, it's like I, I I worked so hard to get where I am. I gotta tell you, I just don't think I'd do a job as a minesweeper. It just seems really dangerous. <laughs> if that's if that's the the likelihood that you die. 
Like, oh yeah, yeah. You know. Seems bad. Seems yeah. like not a not a, a career for me. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Um, speaking real quick of Snake, though, I have a story about Twelve Orbits, which is a game like Snake. Okay, this is it's like a multiplayer game. So basically, everyone's got one button they press, and so they're they're a snake. And they can either press the button to zoom forward, or if they're near like an orbital circle, they can press it to go in a circle around the the, the thing. Okay. Um, and so, what era is this game from? It's on Switch. Oh, okay. Um, and so we were in Iceland recently. I was in Iceland, and I was in hey. this hostel with um with my buddies, and then some Canadians, uh-huh. some Chinese people, some Icelanders, uh-huh. some French people. We had this whole mix of of ethnicities. And uh, countrymen, uh, and we sat down, and we 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 went into the living room of this hostel and put our switch on the TV, and people just slowly gravitated towards us, and we had this international party of twelve orbits where we couldn't all speak each other's languages, but we could press a single button together, and gosh, it was just amazing. Like the game is so simple because you're just trying to uh, eat each other basically and get get the get the biggest and be the last one standing. But there was so much like cheering and high fiving between like people of other countries, and I was like, "Man, this is like one of the most magical, uh, you know, gaming moments of my life." And it's come from this thing that's just like the most simple game that I've ever played. Uh, and I, I think I, that's like it speaks to like you know the the language that a, a game that's as simple as like Minesweeper or Twelve Orbits can have, where everyone really understands the context or something that's so simple. Uh, and man, anyways, that's all I really have. It was just it was just crazy to get. It's cool. We did some Mario Kart too and stuff like that. Yeah, it's always know, great. Yeah. I played I played a bunch of Mario Kart with Harrison Devin in uh at when I went to Awesome Games done quick. Nice because we were gonna play Smash, but the TV was like locked down, like the TV was connected into like a proprietary cable box which streamed in all of the hotel stuff yeah. and. If you plugged a console into that, you could play it, but the, there was like a significant amount of input lag. Hmm. But if you circumvented the cable box, so you just unplugged the HDMI from the cable box and instead plugged the console straight into there, yeah, you could play it without any input lag, but you couldn't adjust the volume, which was maxed out. Oh, no. <laughs> so we'd just like slam it in. We're like, all right, time to play some Smash. It's just... I was like, oh, nope, nope, we got to <laughs> turn it off. So we just instead, um, because only two of us had Smash, and I think I think Devin didn't have Smash, but we all, all had Mario Kart, so we're like, let's just play Mario Kart. And so we all just sat in our respective seats and beds and silently played Mario Kart, and every once in a while just shout, you son of a bitch! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mario Kart, oh gosh, it, it, I think it's probably the most playtime I have on the Switch, I, I think. Oh, okay. Um, I, I mean, I've put a lot of hours in other games, but it always comes up as the like thing to do multiplayer with. Uh, I mean, they, it got me through a six-hour f- uh, flight for sure. We did a lot of Mario Kart while we were st- trapped on an airplane. Um, ah, man. The Switch is a powerful console. It's a good time. It's a good they, s- they really knocked it out of the park. Yeah. They, you know they what? Really ch- they really switched things up. Huh? You know, the Switch is the perfect console if you were to work at Nintendo to leave on a high note. Yeah. <laughs> if you were one uh Reggie oh, oh, right, May. right. Oh, I forgot about this. Wow. Oh, Reggie. Papa America. Papa America. 
creator of the Bigfoot Pizza. Yeah, at Pizza Hut. <laughs> before before coming over to Nintendo and bringing his uh, same same similarly proportioned imagination and stature and excitement to Nintendo. When did E3 leave, or when did Nintendo leave E3? When did they stop doing E3s? Uh, a couple, like two or three ago, I think. I mean, I, they're still there. They're just doing. Yeah, they just do the directions. Yeah, because uh, I. That's the thing I remember most about Reggie is like all the E3s that he's done, all the pres- big presentations, uh, and just like his, his attitude. I, I I don't know much about the guy. I was telling you, I don't really know. I know he was like, was he VP of or he was, was he president? Pre- of- he was president of NOA. Okay, so, so like you know, Nintendo is broken into its like geographic. You think he's gonna run in twenty twenty? <laughs> you know what, Reggie twenty twenty. I would I would I would be okay. It's Reggie and Beto O'Rourke. They're oh. they're going to partner together. I can see gonna, that they're gonna kick America's ass. <laughs> that's that's their that's their that's their platform. <laughs> yeah, Be- Beto wasn't super hot on it, but yeah. Reggie was just like, "No, we gotta do it." <laughs> we need we need a we need something that really energizes the base. Yeah. Oh man, I'd vote for him. I mean, it can't be any worse. <laughs> uh, so get back to Nintendo. Get back to Nintendo. Happy place. Happy place. So yeah. So Reggie's Reggie's leaving Nintendo um, after a pretty long tenure. Tenure. I think like ten or fifteen years, something like that. Uh, his successor is one Doug Bowser. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's too perfect. I'm uh, I'm excited. Uh, that uh, Reggie brought a uh, joy and uh, and a humor to Nintendo that I think um, Iwata was was excited to incorporate into their stuff. So all mm-hmm. their Nintendo directs, whether they were Muppets or Iwata and Reggie were fighting each other, yeah, uh, with kung fu moves to announce uh, Smash Brothers. Um, whether it was Reggie. <laughs> giving bill trinan a bunch of shit um i'm not exactly sure on bill trinan's title but he's like he's basically um whenever they're doing a um, uh, press conference he is uh miyamoto's translator oh right right okay cool but um there's a good running joke of them giving each other shit and there's a part where uh Reggie, uh, I think some kid like breaks in. I forget what direct this was for, but some kid like tries to replace Reggie and take his job, and Reggie's just like, "Kid, I need my job." It's like, it's like, well, what am I supposed to do? It's like, what well, do you have any skills? He's like, well, I speak fluent Japanese. That he says in Japanese, and then just cut to Bill Trinan walking down the hall, and he sees Reggie. He's like, "Hey, Reggie." He's like, "Hey, Bill, you're fired." And then just like you freeze frame, just for, just build being really upset and about to cry like like it, it was some may consider it mimi with like the reginator and and all that yeah, stuff but, but like it was i would prefer that stuff than everyone being super straight laced like you know everyone wants to be an apple keynote right like yeah. everyone wants that style of stuff but then like the nintendo realizes like let's just have fun with I, it i think that's what's so like appealing about nintendo and why I feel like I, I I often consider who I'm giving money to when I'm buying sixty dollars games. I feel nothing. No, like I don't have any. I feel problem nothing giving, anymore. I just well, I I have no problem giving money to Nintendo because the gen genuinely like the producers, the the game developers, they all love the things that they're making. Like they like they they care about their products, and it actually I I mean it's it's been going around lately because of like discussions about what CEOs are paid. 
um, that uh, was it Iwata who gave like half of his salary. Yeah, he to, took a pay cut. Yeah, fifty percent pay cut for to to make up for Wii U. Right. And that's not not just him, also, but other other CEOs, other um, executives took um, pay cuts um, as well. And that and that's like God, that's that's so cool. But then also like they only make fifteen times more than the average employee versus. 300 times more that some of the the right. game CEOs in the US make. Yeah, like we haven't talked about like the Activision layoffs yeah. or the EA layoffs or uh the Arena layoffs or the uh there's some GOG layoffs as well. In years where they seem to be where, where they've reported like right. large success. But it was also a the gameindustry.biz article that said like uh Bobby Kotick is like one of the most overpaid CEOs yeah. just like across any sector any industry i believe and an a-hole <laughs> I mean, that goes without saying though but i mean yeah uh, it it's weird to me to think that like like how did it get to that point i guess i, I guess it's like the necessity for advertising the necessity for i mean for... There's, there's no real i mean necessity right like it's this um i mean if you look at it from like an income statement perspective it's like if you're a publicly traded company, the goal is to always be seeking growth, right? Mm-hmm. Positive growth year over year. And I mean, you know, and, and with inflation, that's that's probably something that's like that's easily when well, not easily attainable, but like something that's like more attainable than than not. But like there's a point where if your company is growing and you you want to sustain that same level of growth, you have to make changes to your bottom line. Mm-hmm. So like, so there's the top line of the income statement and the bottom line of the income statement. And so like the top line is like your, your revenue, right? So like just, just the money you're taking in from sales before you take out costs mm-hmm. of goods sold and any of that stuff. And bottom line is what you need to cover your costs. Bottom line is the income. Bottom line is like the actual amount that you're taking in after you take out costs of goods sold and, and people's uh, wages and all this other stuff. Overhead. Taxes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, variable costs for a long time the mentality was like all right as long as we grow the top line as long as we constantly increase our revenue we'll be fine and then you know there's a point where that's not sustainable like you're just not like you're just not going to have year-over-year growth like you know there's there's a maximum limit of like how many call of duty fans there are yeah how many purchasers there are so it's like okay well if we still want to achieve that same level of growth to satisfy our, our shareholders because that's who we answer to. Otherwise, they're going to vote us out of a out of the board or like do a regime mm-hmm. change or whatever. We have to grow. We have to if if the top line doesn't change at all, then we have to make a different. We have to make a change in the calculus somewhere else. And most and most common changes. All right. Well, we're either going to stagnate wages or we're just going to reduce our. Um, the number of employees we have, because that's going to reduce wages even right. more. I, I, the thing that's hard for me to kind of process about that, though, is okay. So your investors and your shareholders want you to be profitable, uh, and I, I have a hard well, time. So I said they want you to be profitable, and more so that they, they want, want you to grow. They want the the value of the company to keep going up. Yeah. So like for a long time, Tesla was not profitable, but Tesla's value kept going up. Because of the value of their technology and the value yeah. of their IPs. Yes. Um, I guess the, the, the okay, so, so what I still don't really understand though is like it feels to me like an investor uh, or a shareholder would want 
the the machinery of the company, the people, the work there, the like all the elements that make it function and and and, and um, make value, increase value. Um, they would want it to to all be sustained. And the thing that I don't understand is the wage disparity um, that right. comes with a CEO. It's like, not it's not excusable. It, it feels like the 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 investors themselves would want a CEO to be to not be overpaid because. The, the CEO is basically an employee of the investors, at least the way I'm looking at it. I don't well, really I mean, understand. So, so there's, there's a, um, I forget what it's called, uh, uh, the principal agent problem, right? Mm-hmm. Of like, how do, so the the principal, um, not like an idea principal, but like uh, a principal like holder, um, the principal in that case being the shareholders, right? And the agent being the chief officers, and the principal agent problem is basically, all right, how do we incentivize the agent to make decisions in the organization that benefits the principal? Hmm. Because we have ownership of the company. We, we, we own equity of the company, but they are making day-to-day operating decisions. So what can we do to incentivize them to make decisions that benefit us? And there are a couple different ways. One is, um, you know, huge salary bonuses or huge salaries in general. Another is paying them in stock. So, like, you see a lot of CEOs that, even CEOs that are grossly overpaid, if you look at their, like, um, pay stub, their their salary is, like, a dollar a year. Like, Tim Cook's salary, I think, is, like, a dollar a year. But he's getting stock for the company. But he's getting, he has so much equity that it doesn't matter. Hmm. Because, like, as, as when the, when the, uh, stock um, I forget what the term is like um, there's a point where you can start cashing out the stock uh, and you can't before that point so they usually put like a couple of year limit on it it's like and, and that's to prevent um, CEOs from like rapidly boosting off the, the share price selling and all their stock and, and then, rounding and then it, yeah yeah bouncing um, but I mean the, the, the problem with that is that you're still treating the CEO as if, I mean, and, th- and this goes into like the issues of like, you know, looking at startup founders and like and celebrities and stuff is that treating the CEOs as if the value they bring to the company is 300 times more than the value of an individual worker, which is something that, you know, labor rights activists and, and, and union organizers try to tell people constantly is that, you know, the value of the company is not derived from one person at the top. It's derived from the hundreds of employees and workers and professionals that are that are executing on the the decisions of people in the C suite. Mm-hmm. And but in America, we have come to this kind of tipping point in a way of you know is it's been this way for so long that. You know, there might be uh, specific knowledge that that CEOs know, and there might be like um, they might be subject matter experts and be able to help companies like make great decisions. Right. But we've come to such a way that they expect to be paid in such gratuitous amounts that like it changing itself on its own is really not, it's probably not going to happen. Yeah. So that's why things like game workers unite is happening because like, and they have a campaign of like fire Bobby Kotick because like he is making these decisions 
that are negatively impacting 800 workers, former Activision Blizzard em- employees, just for the gross benefit of himself and you know the shareholders and the board directors and stuff. And like there was an article published um, either today or yesterday um, recently by gameindustry.biz that was talking about how like losing those 800 workers is like going to negatively impact the the company like there's there's no like whatever gains which are nominal at best they're made by like saving money by axing those employees who are mostly like um uh i believe like people in pr and social media mm. and, and maybe some production roles and stuff they they, they weren't developers and they, they weren't programmers and artists mm. and stuff um I mean, they're developers from the sense that they like help develop games, but they're not of like these other these other tracks. They uh, let me see if I can get the quote, but it was like th- this isn't going to do anything. Um, yeah, so the headline is: "Eight hundred job cuts could quote negatively impact our business." Uh, there can be no assurance that our business will be more more efficient or effective than prior to implementation of the plan. The plan being the mm-hmm. the layoffs or that additional restructuring plans will not be required or implemented in the future. Restructuring in the sense of like they have to restructure, you know, the who answers the who, the management um, hierarchy, or they need to restructure by rehiring PR people and rehiring right. That's these what roles that they just axed. Um, the implementation of this restructuring plan may also be costly and disruptive to our business or have other negative consequences such as attrition beyond our planned reduction in workforce or negative impacts on employee morale and productivity or are on our ability to attract and retain highly skilled employees. Um, but they did it. And the thing that comes down to this entire thing into publicly traded companies in general the goal of a publicly traded company is to bring value to the shareholders. That bottom line, that's the goal. Now, people could be really altruistic in that and pursuing that goal. Mm-hmm. So, like, I mean, I'm not going to sit, sit here and say Apple is perfect, but, I mean, Apple has a lot of green energy and environmentalist initiatives that they could simply choose not to pursue because they're right. not being forced to do it by the government. They are choosing to do that because they care it's a part of their like you know corporate social responsibility right but a lot of companies interpret that initiative of bring value to the shareholders as all right shortest term plan possible if we need to axe employees to increase our stock price if we need to do whatever let's do it because our goal is to bring value to the shareholders right it's I, I I can't remember. That's interesting because I know somebody else brought up the fact that I think I was watching the Jim Quisition actually, and he was talking about how all they do is short term thinking, and you know no one's thinking in the long term in here. But that's, that's 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 America. I mean that's global right globalization economies to a T. Like it's it's all short term thinking. Right. Oh well, I mean that's like that's like what credit drives you towards, right? Like loans and borrowing and yeah, anything that runs on credit is basically let's get an advance so we can do something now. And then when we have to get more money, we'll get another advance and we'll do something then. Right. And it's like, oh, I mean, don't get me wrong. Obviously, we, we enjoy a lot of things because of credit based economy, but um, it does feel like it's 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 warped very negatively 
in lots of spaces, but also right now it's just so loud in the game space because Bethesda and because uh, EA and because Blizzard and Activision and Bungie and Activision and um, whoever else is out. I feel like there's more than that, but um, well, the big layoffs recently were Activision Blizzard, mm-hmm. um, Arena Net laid off a fair portion of their uh, developers. Actually, it was really sad because there was one guy um i think he was like a a, a cinematics um producer lost his job at telltale which is in oh, right. the bay area right moved to seattle where arena net is located and then got laid off at arena net so you know in the span yeah. of like six months or something has to then search for work again um and also had to move to a different city and you know disrupt whatever life you know if he had a family he had to move his family with him and all that stuff um and then fire monkey which is ea's like um australian studio got layoffs and uh and i i mean i feel like i know they made a statement that it, that it might not or one of the former bioware employees said that they don't they hope layoffs shouldn't happen they don't think it should should be necessary but Anthem is doing very very poorly, it seems. Well, critically, she, I think so. I don't know about commercially. So commercially, it sold like 10% of what Destiny sold Ooh. and 50% of what Andromeda sold, only in digital sales. So, or, or was it hardware? Only in hardware sales right you now. It's physical. Only, yeah, physical sales. There's no Anthem, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anthem box. There's, uh, the, the, the physical sales were, were half, of, half of Andromeda and like 10% of Destiny. Interesting. And... Uh, you know, unless the margin on physical versus digital is like way higher, it it has been rapidly both, changing. Yeah. But I don't know. I don't think it. I mean, it would, ha- it would have to make up for a lot. Yeah. Um. And that's I, I, part of me is like, I, I'm Bioware is almost dead to me because I I used to love Bioware, and now it's like all everyone that I, that that made the games that I love are kind of gone now. It's a the whole entire different team. The guy who. Yeah. The guy who started on Anthem left before it even released. Um, well, I believe he came back. Are you ca- talking about as that? Um, what's his name? Is it Casey? Time to do Google. Casey Hudson? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, he left and then came back. I believe. Hmm. Well, either way. There has been a large exodus of like original Bioware, which sure. I guess like the doctors, happens. the yeah. doctors who are the co-founders right. of, the, the, of Bioware, not there. It, and it just feels like the the, the creative spirit is, is so different now. It's not to say that there's not like Anthem has. Uh, you've played it, I haven't. Mm. The world looks beautiful, although it's beautiful uh, behind some severe loading times. Beautiful, as I understand it. albeit generic. I mean, the yeah. loading times. All right, I don't think I mentioned this. So the loading times into like missions and stuff are not that bad. But because the game is structured as like a cooperative multiplayer thing, there is like extremely aggressive rubber banding. Mm. By which I mean, a lot of games like Destiny does this. If like if if you and you whoever you're playing with are separated, I believe whoever's closer to the mission objective, yeah, has like prominence or dominance over like where you respawn, mm-hmm. and over a certain like over a certain length, you will then just be like teleported to them yeah anthem does that but it is so aggressive it it is it makes the game almost unplayable from that perspective alone yeah because you'll be in these like pretty large arenas and i mean it's got freeform flight and 
you'll be flying around and you're not even like you can see your teammates but they but they decided to like mainline to the objective and there's immediately like a ui prompt that comes up it's like you will be you're outside the the mission zone you're going to be teleported in 15 seconds and then you have to do this like you know tactic of like trying to catch up to your teammate because that loading screen that you hit is probably like five or ten seconds long and also they don't pause any sort of narrative stuff when you're caught in that loading cycle or anything so yeah i guess i couldn't if you had active other players right well i mean you could pause it like in like dialogue however you know if the dialogue was structured in such a way they could say a line and then if someone was loading in they could pause oh sure like an actual like kind of yeah okay story moment yeah that's unfortunate (laughs) it seems like not a great game yeah i mean there's a lot but I, I I don't want to speak too much of the gameplay because I, I don't want to shit on a game that I haven't played. But it looks like I would be disappointed if I if I, and and I almost I don't know. I mean, it it, it appeals to me on the sense of like I, I liked Destiny a lot. I, I really liked the I liked the looter shooter um, reward loop of the looty shooty. Yeah, yeah. I I like going out and getting some new gear that makes my numbers go up. Only you can't look at your numbers in Anthem, so I don't know what the sense of reward is. And also, there's like ten items or I whatever. Know. I played a single mission. And I was like, I'm good. I got it. Yeah. So I didn't even see any sort of like there's there's item progression or anything. There's like percentages on the weapons that like tell you, okay, this increases this stat by whatever, but you can't actually look at your stats. There's no like character sheet page. Um, in the so it's game. just bars and in, in percentages. You, well, you don't see that. You, you can't. You can't even. You you only see what. No, the, but I'm saying what, like when you compare to the items, like choosing oh, yeah, which one sure. to equip, you that, see it there. That's that's yeah. That's the only that's window it. into into uh, what your what your build is. I guess if you look at it that way. Um, amongst other shortcomings it's, that just seem like a really obvious. But, man, though, like this, and I mean fallout 76 which i personally like i i had a i had an all right time with fallout 76 and i might go back to it but like yeah it seems like you know we were talking about before about how like the battle royale stuff i'm i'm happy about the battle royale genre because it doesn't seem like everyone's trying to jump on that bad bandwagon anymore well no i mean like i think for the most part like if you compare i've said this before but if you compare like battle royales to like how big the bandwagon was for like MMOs post sure, post yeah. WoW or or MOBAs post League, like it's it's not even a competition. That's fair. Like like there is a handful of like every battle royale that I've seen that's come out has its own like unique spin on it. It hasn't been this thing where it's like everyone's tried to make an MMO and then ninety percent of them are failing miserably because they underestimated what goes into making an MMO. Right. And I was thinking, it was like, well, that's good. That's like positive change for the industry. Like that's growth and understanding that like, Hey, maybe you shouldn't try to be, you know, you shouldn't try to always hitch your properties to like the latest, hottest uh, uh, genre. Yeah. But maybe I got distracted by how well relatively battle royales are doing that. I didn't even look at looter shooters and games as a service. And seeing where like they're royally messing it up in a yeah. lot of cases, it's weird. I, I think they're 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 rushing into it without like they're just trying to get these products out there and then fix them later, add content yes. later. Yes, but you need to have a strong enough opening to maintain your initial player base, yeah. right? 
There was like like um so if you pre-ordered the game or whatever or bought whatever a deluxe edition for Anthem you got in like a week early right like you play the full game yeah. a week early well there was like multiple entry points right like sure. there was like yeah, a whole like chart that chart but yeah. I mean the chart was more for the demos the demos than yeah, the full sure, game sure sure and I think like during that week where people got it early in like Anthem's quote unquote official launch day mm-hmm. uh Bioware was like all right well here's our layout for the day one patch. And people were like, this isn't the day one patch. This is like the day eight patch because people have been playing this game for a week. Like mm. the commercial release. Right. And it goes into what you're saying. It's like the, 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 the roadmaps are a little messed up and it's a lot of like, you know, put it out now and fix it later. Yeah. You know, Fallout 76, Bethesda just fixed the item duping glitch that was affecting like a huge amount of people. They just fixed that you know fingers crossed they mm. fixed it finally um but from all intents and purposes they have said and communicated that it that it is fixed and yeah it's 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 weird well i mean destiny 2 uh according to people who play it the, the latest expansion was like finally the game feels like it's in like a a state that would have been worthy of a full release for forsaken yeah forsaken I, I don't know what the game what the forsaken necessarily added but it was crazy how barren it that game was. Cade. That's what it. Added. Well, that that was rough. That was rough to see in the trailer. But it, uh, did you play Destiny Two? Uh, I I got it for like five bucks on Amazon once and played it for like two hours. Okay, so you've done like seventy percent of the game then. <laughs> ba- well, the, of the I went base to the game. European Dead Zone and I'm yeah. like, guys, this is boring, and then turn the game off. I, I I still have a lot of weird like love for the for the setting and the the the, the just the style of like con things warlocks and goblins sure. and those, but like, that's, ah, that's cute. Bungie's like yeah. whole mo yeah it, it, it the setting worked for me the the core gameplay was was polished like the shooting was fine yeah. I just didn't find the encounters engaging the encounters weren't set up interestingly the the like the loop was really really constant like you would be like okay hit some enemies now go to the next spot hit some enemies go to the next spot and there wasn't a lot of like oh and i i feel like that's what people are saying about anthem too is that it's 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 a very short very similar loop of go do the same thing and then when you get to the end game you just do one mission over and over again because there's only yeah. like one like end game that value oh oh man while we're on anthem though did you hear about the mid-game loot the uh grind no yes yeah oh what was it oh my god i heard about it you got like three or four tombs that you have to get access to to continue on the plot and each of them just has a set of like challenges that you would expect to see like as like achievements basically like right you know it was like required achievements that you had to like 100 like basically 100 the game to unlock like the end level this is a midpoint too no that's what i'm saying it's like you had to do that and then it gave you like the last third of the game after you did all so yeah this crazy big block that completely throws off because like you'll have like players who've been playing together and they get to this point and they finish it at radically different speeds and so now it's like should i continue on because we've been mm-hmm. playing together but also once you do get in there you just get like a like it's especially like a reward for this long quest it's just like a flavor text line like you get to the tomb and it's like and this is where the great warrior was put to rest and quest done <laughs> and it's like what you've made me do all of this Wow, and it, uh, man, that that's it's astounding. Uh, I, mm. Well, wow. on that note, Joe, on yeah. all that, the the feel good zone I think has deteriorated significantly since we started this podcast. We nosedived into some dark territory. 
But uh, I think we learned a lot. Yeah. About shitty companies appealing to terrible message boards and I, I, maybe a thing or two about how you shouldn't lay off your employees. At the, maybe the hopeful thing is that this can be a learning moment for uh, the community, uh, for, the, for, the, for the industry as a whole, you know? Uh, maybe maybe people take away more than we snark at, you know, fruitlessly. Yeah, we'll have to see. But um, on that note, I don't think we mentioned Joe that uh, we have a uh, uh, a fourth person that's going to be a permanent member of our roundtable discussions for this what? year. Who? I, I don't know if you met him, uh, Joseph R. Whatmore, <laughs> the guy on Facebook. Yeah. Wow, you got I mean, he's that guy? Just, he's so put together. Oh my gosh, he's Look, he's married. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I live here. I'm a little bit upset that, you know, you reach out to the guy on the other side of the country. But... I mean, I don't even know where he, where he lives, where he's located. But oh, Jesus, this hurts. I'll figure it out. All right. Well, uh, good luck to you and Joe Wetmore, newest member of the Wardcast. I'll, I guess I'll go back home and, and plot my revenge. Kill him. Where's where's face as a mask? <laughs> yeah. Hey guys, it's really great to be here. But you have to rescue rem- that new Pikachu game. <laughs> but you have to remote in from wherever he is. Oh right, right. Yeah. I'll have to get a VPN to like mask my location. Mm-hmm. You have to get access to his Skype. Mm. Oh man. All right, I can work with this plot. Yeah, yeah. So going forward, if you hear a Joe on this podcast, it's definitely not me. Wait, it's definitely not me. It's definitely not me wearing the skin of another Joe. Definitely not. Okay, cool. That's uh, that's that's the canon lore for mm-hmm. this for my involvement in this in this podcast now. Mm-hmm. Can't wait till this this subplot comes to a head. We have to we have to figure out what to do with with Joe. Yeah, technically a murderer and a cannibal. Oh no, I didn't. I shouldn't have revealed that second portion. <laughs> oh no, plot twist. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, Joe, thank you, and we're looking forward to having you on the show more. Wet more. Oh man, we're gonna we're gonna get so damp in here. Joe, where can people find you? Uh, you know, here now. Uh, Wordcast yeah. is where they can find me yeah, mostly. W-R-T-C-S-T. You know, I, I, I still do have that YouTube on the internet. Mm-hmm. Uh, instant replay live. Instant replay live. Um, well, lately I've been working a lot more on just you know game dev projects. Yeah, so. you, what, what was the jam you participated? It was in? the Game Maker Studio Two jam. I, 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 they had a name for it. Was I, it officially hour. sponsored by Game Maker Studio? Yeah, yeah. The, um, and so that was that was cool. I mean, it was basically the same thing as a game jam. You get a theme, right. you make it, and it just has to be in Game Maker Studio. That's cool. Your um, game looked good. I really liked it. Yeah, I, I'm looking forward to doing more game jams. It's a nice it's, game jams are cool. Mm-hmm. it's a cool way to can, can confirm. Yeah, it, it, well, it's cool to like to to have constraints to do a thing. That's usually the biggest problem, you know, with personal projects is not feel not having like a like a like a a reason to really drive home to the finish line. You get distracted by something else, or you lose steam. Not with a game jam because it's only forty-eight hours yeah, or so less. You, you better finish it, right? Or at least, well, even if get, you don't finish close. it, you you get closure of some right, kind, yeah. right? You you even when you're like, well, we did the best we can. It still feels like it's something you can like measure and be like, all right, cool. Uh, that, that was a, that was an enclosed experience, right? And I saw, uh, I saw it through. Yeah. Um, where can people find those game jam games? That's a good question. They're all on the the. the I wish I had the the um, the site. If, if you like Google GMS forty eight, 
that their their main site hosts all the games from okay. other jams. But you don't have um, it on itch as well or anything. I I didn't upload mine. I I only uploaded it to their site. Okay. So. You're um, making itch page, man. Next time I'm on here, maybe I'll I'll upload my my portfolio for the viewers. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. can they can mm-hmm. know where mm-hmm. to itch, scratch that itch. Mm-hmm. Oh, on itch, on itch. Um, and you're on Twitter. I am on Twitter. What's my Twitter? Instant Joe, at Instant Joe, at Gerb, at no, Instant you, Joe. No, I think it's Gerb. I think it is at Gerb, but my like handle is at, at uh is oh, Instant if you Joe. Just search Instant Joe. I I guess. G E R H B at G E R H B. Yes, that's the one. That's you. And my name will read Instant Joe. Mm-hmm, 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 yeah, mm-hmm, perfect. Mm-hmm. Not well, to be confused with coffee or Joe R. Wetmore. Well, soon to be confused with Joe R. Wetmore. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> and uh, I'm at Dylan Elvento. You can follow me there. And if you like this podcast and you want to listen to any of our other podcasts, you can find them at word-games.com or on Twitter at Ward Video Games, or just search in your podcast app of choice, Wardcast. That's W-A-R-D-C-A-S-T. Joe, thank you again for coming on, joining me, so it wasn't just me talking to myself in this room for an hour and a half. We didn't even have to make up a third person. I Look thought for sure we were going to have an imaginary friend Look to bounce us. off of. You, me, wow. two Joes. Two Joes. I can't wait to get the other Joes in here. <laughs> Joe, uh, <laughs> tune in next week for Joe Cast. Joe Cast. Uh, on that note, bye, Joe. Pika Pika. <laughs> <laughs>